Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Uh, We are fortunate to have with us today the director of the film, the uh, the the rape of Reese Taylor. The, this is a story basically about uh, who was a 24 year old Reese T- Taylor, a black mother, and a sharecropper who was gang raped by six white boys in uh, 1944 Alabama. Common and Jim Crow. Few women s- spoke up out of fear for their lives. Not Reese Taylor. She bravely identified her rapist, and the NCAA sent its chief investigator to the scene, which was Rosa Parks who rallied support and triggered an unprecedented outcry for justice. And uh, we have with us today the director of this really a remarkable documentary, The Rape of Reese Taylor, and that would be Nancy Bierski. Nancy, welcome to Film School. Thank you for having me. Thank you so so much. Um, a little bit of a hurried introduction. I hope I covered what we need to talk about in terms of get the, the story behind the story. In your own words, how would you describe uh, the film that uh, you've made? This this is a film that tells, actually reveals uh, an important story about a woman in 1944 Alabama, uh, Reese Taylor, who, uh, when walking home from church on a warm September night uh, in Abbeville, was grabbed off the street, um, kidnapped, put into a car, and taken into a pecan grove and raped for four hours uh, by six white boys. And um, she was told that they would kill her if she spoke up. She did speak up. That's what's so amazing about her story. This is a woman in 1944 who knew what they had done to her was wrong, felt absolutely no shame, and immediately accused her attackers. Um, They weren't terribly worried, to be honest, because they figured that even if she did speak up, um, no one would believe her. Uh, They actually had put money into her hands um, while she lay in in the ground of that pecan grove. Um, to so they would be able to call her a prostitute. Um, she speaks up. She draws the attention of the NAACP, who sends down their chief rape investigator, who happens to be Rosa Parks. Yeah. This is 11 years before the Montgomery bus boycott, um, while Rosa Parks is working as a secretary for the NAACP and an investigator on, on these kinds of attacks, which were happening constantly. I mean, that's what's so... Uh, um, was so amazing to me about this story and, and that I didn't know how ubiquitous rapes and, and sexual assaults were during that time. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, it's a lot of the film, there's, it goes in a number of different directions in terms of telling the story. It branches out into these different um, avenues to describe the culture of the South, obviously Jim Crow, uh, obviously the... Uh, the attempts on the part of uh, Rosa Parks and, and to organize this into a national story to gain, gain attention. But so much of the film, and it's such an intimate film, you get the, um, the, you do interviews with her brother and sister. Uh, it is, it's a, almost at times a meditative film, a reflection of, of, a, of a past that still haunts us today. That's how I felt when I was watching it. Um, so you were able to get those different elements into the film. I, am I missing something in terms of the, the what you were hoping to accomplish? And no, the- I mean, I, I it was a challenge to try to weave that all together right. and create a tapestry of um, what was a very intimate um, and dramatic story 
along with a, uh, a larger story, um, the story about the role that women who did speak up and the support they got from people like Rosa Parks and the Committee for Equal Justice for Mrs. Reese Taylor, right. um, which took place soon after that, um, the, the importance of all of that as it led to the beginning of the civil rights movement. Yeah. So to be able to um, immerse you in Reese Taylor's story uh, much of that is done because I was able to get those interviews with her brother and her sister, um, who are so still, st- you can almost still feel their hurt, yeah. um, and they burn with it. Um, and, and, and yet we are able to then link those stories to the wider picture of the role that women played um, powering the civil rights movement. Yeah, and I very, very much a part of the story is the, the, is the place that, African American women had in the, in the civil rights movement often overlooked, often so uh, is is the story of men. Uh, history is awful, often a reflection of a men's story, but mm-hmm. uh, it, not in this case and not with this film. It just really brings to bear uh, what what was at stake, and also the the symbolism of these uh, these women to sta- standing up, but also the practicality. Of it all, the the way that it was able to truly affect change, that that is something that again, this is a, one of the strengths of the film that I wasn't aware of to the extent I was until I watched this film. Um, it really is an amazing part of what you were what you accomplished here. You know, it's it's interesting when you think about the role that women played during that time and the role that women are playing today in in vocalizing and and making um, you know bringing to life. The, the kind of attacks that they've they've experienced right. um, on an ongoing basis, um, and you know, women's organizations have almost always been what powered change. Um, and I think this is something that we'll begin to begin to recognize more and more. You know, there was a, a march in January um, that was a response to the president's boasting of um, groping women, yeah. and um, and that that was a catalyst for so much more. And I think it's part of what gave women the the um, uh, the courage to speak up months later um, against people like Harvey Weinstein and other media people. So um, I think it's an interesting link, actually, when you think about organizations around Reese Taylor's um, trials for the hearings that did not get her justice, and now what is happening today where men are now being called on the carpet. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Nancy Bersky. She is the director of the film the rape of Reese Taylor. Let's go back a little bit and sort of fill in some, backfill some of the 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 the, uh, the history, the story itself. When we've gone over, she, she was walking home with uh, till sort of the, the the night of sort of yeah uh, the night she sept- warm September night. She's walking home from from a revival meeting at the church she attended. Um, with with two people, um, a friend of hers named Fanny Daniels and her son, Fanny's son, and um, and and they get stopped by a car full of um, uh, white boys who grab her and and put her in the car and yeah. blindfold her and take her into a pecan grove yeah. and and savagely rape her for many many hours. Right, right. Um, and 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 but they let her go and they let her go because she one promises that she's not going to say anything. She just wants to get home to her baby. Um, but I I do believe that they also felt that uh, you know they're, she, no one's going to believe Reese Taylor. Right. You know she's she's just a poor black woman and and, and she's a prostitute. You know who's going to believe her? That's what they did all the time. Right. 
Um, and so, and, and that's the other point that this is part of the culture. It was condoned. So, um, you know, she she does report it, but who's going to who's going to really pay attention to it? You know, the men who were judge, jury, police force during that period of time. Not only they were they all kind of related to each other and they all knew each other, but chances are they've done the same thing. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. And in the film, by the way, in your in your film, uh, the rape of Reese Taylor, you you t- you have the which I didn't know about. And as a student of cinema, there was a whole body of work done that was more, uh, it was, the audience was the African-American community telling their story. And there's, you weave into into the, the documentary scenes from that, that were in, in many ways just a reenactment of what had probably happened that night. Is it? Am I being fair? Well, I would, I wouldn't call them reenactments. No, but I don't mean I it to be. Would, I, I know you didn't, yeah. I, I mean, Specifically, they, they for for me they worked as metaphors. There you they, go. They, there you go. They they worked as um, a means of reminding us that this happened to more than Reese Taylor. That it happened to many women. That it's almost a universal story. And the aesthetic of those race films um, somehow put it on a on a level of classicism. Of, of it almost felt biblical in a way to me. Yeah. And um, I I just felt like it was the right way of animating this. I love the fact that they are African-American filmmakers who made these films, yes. so, they, so the, their voice enters into our film. And, um, and and also the fact that these films have a, a kind of intellectual, um, there's, a, there's an honesty in using them because they were the things that told the story, the African-American stories, uh, truthfully. Unlike the mainstream cinema, the caricatured um, African-Americans in a very demeaning way. Right. So African-American audiences saw themselves depicted in these race films, these so-called race films, um, in ways that were at least more honest, even if the stories they were telling were fiction. Um, And that's not unlike the um, black newspapers that were depicting the stories and telling the stories um, when white newspapers would not do it. Yeah, and and sort of these films were silent era films. Uh, they were told, and, and probably in some manner of speaking, a, a rebuttal to Birth of a Nation, I'm, I'm sure, it, a, along with a, a lot of other things that would, would have been a kind of a, a motivation to do so. But but it, it was just an interesting part of this. And you, as you're right, you're described in the film kind of a whole culture of communication within the African African American community. Thank goodness there were black newspapers around the country. Thank goodness right. there was a network of them, because otherwise, as you point out in the film, we would never have known about the rape of Racy Taylor. It would have been something that would have never gotten the attention of anybody anywhere, because, as you said, it was part of a culture, part of a slave culture that continued to that to that day, and uh, and that uh, this entitlement of you know uh, white white America. Uh, to ignore uh, what was going on, so thankfully that happened, and also that a little bit of a backstory about the the gathering in New York at the was it the Teresa Hotel? Have I got that correct? Yeah, Hotel Teresa, Hotel which Teresa. is where Castro famously stayed when he came to the United States. Um, it was a, it was a hotel that kind of attracted progressives, and and there were often rallies and and things that around around progressive causes. Um, but you know, I think l- let me back up and just sure remind us that those black newspapers played a very critical part in um, getting Rishi Taylor's story out there. But if it weren't for the women that formed that committee, the Committee for Equal Justice right. for Mrs. Rishi Taylor, I don't think her story would have gotten past those black newspapers. Right. 
because, you know, they, they kind of encouraged um, and, and inspired hundreds and thousands of people to write to the governor and write to the white newspapers and say, why aren't you reporting this? So that story then travels from Alabama right up to New York, where there is this um, rally for Mrs. Taylor at the Hotel Teresa. There was even a, a, an office of the uh, committee um, that was based in New York. So they knew they had to go further than the South right. to get to draw attention and therefore put pressure on the governor to have another hearing. There had already been one grand jury hearing, and of course, yeah. um, it, she, no one was indicted. Um, and then they put pressure on the governor through all of these efforts That's to have another grand jury hearing. And um, I don't want to. I, no. I, I don't think this is going to be a spoiler or a surprise to people who are listening today that they the boys were still not indicted yeah. um, for all the reasons we we discussed before. But at least they had the second hearing. That's what this achieved. Well, and it was also there's this continuum. There's a process that had, was was occurring in parts of the United States at that time, and this was part of it. This was you know sort of bringing to right. the to the nation's attention. It was all over. It ended up being in the white press or the mainstream press, and and in stories and stories. So people were seeing it finally and seeing right. It, and and, it. and actually, when you think about it, even though Reese Taylor didn't get justice, that same committee organized around other women who had similar problems. Yes. Um, and and some of those women did begin to get justice. So gradually things evolve. And um, I always think of Reese Taylor as the as the first link in a very important chain. That's right. That, that continues today. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I want to let people know that they can find out more about the film at uh, the raperecytaylor.com and you can go there and find out. The film is screening today at the Lemley Santa Monica, the Monica Theater, uh, from is it twelve o'clock today. And and so if you happen to be listening and you're, you're it's going to be tough to get up there from where I am to to there today. But nonetheless, it is there. What are the sort of uh, moving forward uh, other platforms that we will be able to see uh, the rape of well, Lucy Taylor? It's it's screening at the Lemley Theater for a full week. Oh, it is. So I'm sorry. I, hopefully, things will calm down a little bit where you are, and you'll be able to get up there. Yeah. Um, we do have a Facebook page as well, by the way, and I, I encourage people to come to that, and um, that that will detail all the other screen and platforms. We're screening in New York next Friday right. at the IFC Center, um, and then we are going to fan out and screen at a number of other theaters. We don't have all of those um, specified just yet, but we'll be announcing all of this on Facebook. Um, the Orchard is our distributor, and they will be, um, will, be, will be distributed digitally at the end of March. And um, so I think you can you can count on the fact that there will be a number of other platforms for this, whether it's their television or iTunes or, you know, um, cable. I, I, I can't say exactly which ones right. they are yet. That's what we're working out right now. Very good. And, again, it, I, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was playing all week. I thought for some – okay, so it's the Monica Film Center uh, – Starting today, December eighth, running through the week. Uh, there's a two ten, four forty, seven ten, and a uh, nine forty screening right. of it. Some of our team will be doing two and A's um, tonight and tomorrow night, I believe. Oh, fantastic! So great place to see a film. Great to to be there to be able to interact with the filmmakers. It's just a great experience. Um, 
Nancy, your, your work is just fantastic. You've done so many good films as a as a filmmaker. Um, sort of as you're going through your your career as as a filmmaker, uh, each film I'm sure adds a little bit to your perspective and to your filmmaking expertise. This is a beautiful film to look at. I love the different uh, elements that you you have in it. The music's wonderful. It's it's just a beautiful film to watch. Tell me what you feel like you've gained as a filmmaker from from doing uh, the Raper Reese uh, Taylor. Wow, um, that's such a beautiful thing to say. Um, you know, you actually just kind of put one foot in front of the other as you're working, but you begin to start to draw on some of the same um, kind of instincts as a filmmaker. And I guess the use of music is a very important one. Yeah. Um, the idea that even in documentary that there are a lot of narrative tools that you can use, and I love doing that. I love creating a film that almost has a hybrid feel that, you know, you're always telling a story. It is always about the story. And so you you find yourself, you know, kind of using the cinematography and the editing um, tools that help you create a powerful story. And um, it does mean that sometimes not all the information gets in there because you really want to leave your viewer with the power of the story. And therefore, we have to supplement it um, in in ways on on Facebook and on websites and all of that, but, you know, it, it, I'm beginning to kind of lean into narrative filmmaking as well, so yeah. um, these all things, all these things happen organically, I guess, yeah. and um, I'm, I'm just very pleased that it seems to resonate. Well, Afternoon of a, of a Fawn, uh, obviously the loving story, which again deals with race and its relationship to, you know, American history and how all of these things play out, and now this film, they're just, you know, just wonderful work, and I, um, I'm so honored that you were able to oh, uh, find time so to come much. back Again, again, the film is The Rape of Reese Taylor. It is a screening tonight at the Monica, um, Lemley Monica Theater in, in Santa Monica. Runs all week. See it. Go to the website, therapeofreesetaylor.com. And as you said, there's a Facebook page for it. Um, thank you and all continued success to you in, in future work. And um, my, my appreciation for you finding time to be here today. Well, I look forward to talking to you about the next film. Very good. <laughs> thank right. you so much. Thank you, Nancy. Take, take, all right. take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.